Hey, thanks for listening to our Life Church Utah podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are located here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you can check us out online at lifechurchutah.com. Well, good morning, everybody at Life Church. It is so good to see each one of you. Thank you for, uh, for being here uh, today. Can I tell you something fun that I got to do yesterday? Is that okay if I uh, just share a little bit of fun? Um, Yesterday, there was a, a, a football game uh, that, was, that was on. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? University of Utah versus UCLA, go Utes and all that stuff. Well, I just want you to know you had me to thank for the victory, and uh, here's why. I had, the, uh, I had the joy of being able to speak to the, uh, to the UCLA football team uh, during their chapel. So it was just a number of students there with their coaches, and I told them they would lose. It was just fantastic, and no, I did not do that. That'd be terrible. Uh, but I walked in, I had a blue on and all that stuff, and I walked in, I said, I wore blue in honor of you, UCLA, and then I pulled out my University of Utah hat because this would be bad to wear. So anyway, it was, uh, it was fun. But what a joy to be able to speak to those student athletes and uh, to know that there are, there are students on a campus like UCLA and like the University of Utah that are going for Jesus. Man, they're giving every bit of their life. They are in positions where uh, they're, they can influence other people around them. And it really is, uh, really was a joy to be able to speak to them and uh, to bless them and encourage them. And yeah, I did pray that they would have a good game, but not such a good game. And uh, thank the Lord he answered the prayer. So that's uh, beautiful. So go Utes. All right. Yeah. All three of you. That's well, go BYU. Okay. <laughs> go UVU. Okay. Um, so who is it or what is it that led you to Jesus? Kind of a, kind of a big question, right? So you are here uh, today. So many of you have been led to Jesus at uh, one point or another uh, in your life. Some of you are here at the guest, as a guest of a friend or whatever. And uh, so this is all new to you. You've never known what it means to love Jesus and to serve him. Um, for some of you, being led to Jesus was a relatively easy thing. You saw a very good example in somebody who was consistent in their faith, and you're like, yeah, I want to jump in. I, you know, you, boy, God's doing great things in your life. I want to follow after you. And so it became very easy. Others of you, the representation that was given to you of Jesus was not so good, <laughs> Right, and the Jesus that you saw was a Jesus that uh, condemned and point fingers. And all. how many of you had a tough time coming to Jesus because the Jesus you saw wasn't so good? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, so a number of you, just like first service, right? Sometimes we don't have a good picture of who God is, and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, as the case may be, we are the representation of Jesus uh, in this world, the represent representative of uh, really what He would like to do in this world. And so as we continue on the series in the book of Romans, uh, the people that were sitting in the chairs or on the, uh, the stone ledges in the synagogues uh, that the early church was meeting in, uh, they were just like us. In the sense, some of them had a really good experience coming to faith in Jesus. Others of them, it was really difficult. They had to run the gauntlet of, of all sorts of strange teachings and things like that before they found their way to the true Jesus. And so in our series, uh, Romans, What It Means to Be Christian, uh, Paul begins to take a turn now out of chapter 1 into chapter 2. And uh, by the way, let me just say this really quickly. When Paul wrote or had the, had the letter written, um, they didn't write it uh, in chapter and verse. 
That was added much, much, much later uh, into the Bible as we know it. And so when they were writing, it's just like a normal letter that was written that you would write to a friend or family member, a normal email. You don't put down chapter one, verse one, this sentence, chapter, you know, verse two. They didn't do that back then, but we've done it just to make it easier to memorize and to find uh, the address for different uh, scriptures. But back then, uh, chapter one, which was not chapter one, it was nothing, would roll right into chapter two, which didn't exist when Paul wrote it. So this was all one letter. And so when we read the Bible, we need to understand that because sometimes we can forget that they're connected and read it as totally disconnected from what came before. And as Paul is writing this next section here in what we call chapter two, um, he's referring back to what he had just written down in chapter one. And if you were here last week, um, you know it was a, a pretty tough set of scriptures that Paul walked through. Pretty tough set there. He's, you know, he has this long laundry list of sins, uh, laundry list of vices that people were committing. And uh, then he jumps into this section. And as he gets into, into uh, to chapter two, it's pretty amazing. And I'm going to get a little bit technical here. Um, but what happens in the Greek is pretty fascinating. Because what happens behind the scenes, how many of you read biblical Greek? Anyone here? I don't either, just so you know. Uh, but in reading, uh, reading the commentaries and looking through what I do know of biblical Greek, um, it's pretty amazing because Tertius, the guy who's actually writing it for Paul, um, it's like, have you ever had your, your mouth get ahead of your brain? And say something that you're going, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Anybody ever done that before, right? How many did that this morning on the way to church? Anybody? Okay, right? And so, so we have that tendency. And Paul, as he is just spewing out this letter that they're writing to the Roman church, Tertius, it appears in the original Greek, he's having trouble keeping up with Paul because some of the sentences in the Greek are not complete, it's like, it's like one thing starts and it almost reaches conclusion and he's got to, you know, kind of pick up where Paul was, uh, Paul was stating on this letter and uh, it's just this wonderful thing. It's like Tertius is there going, Paul, dude, slow down a little bit. Like, like your kids come in after a rough day at school and they just talk 90 miles an hour and you're trying to catch up. This is what's happening here with Paul. And so Paul's talking to the church and as we talked about last week, um, this is Paul's answer to what he had just said. And this is actually a style of writing, and it's called diatribe. You ever heard the phrase diatribe before? And so what the word diatribe means is that Paul, as he's doing this letter, um, and as, he, as he's dictating this letter, he's thinking to himself as he's making an argument, he's going, okay, as I say this, what are other people going to say against what I have just said? And then let me answer that question that might rise up for that individual. And so this is what Paul does in Romans chapter two. He'd just gone through this incredible list of vices and sins as we talked about last week. And he says in the answer to this that, you know, there's some people who will think that they don't deal with this. There's some people who think that, you know, they're better than other people. And so Paul says, let me go ahead and deal with this because I know humanity, right? And so Paul deals with this. So Romans chapter two, if you've got your Bibles or smart devices or iPads, whatever you got, go ahead and uh, pull those things out and go to Romans chapter two. And as I nearly every Sunday say, please pull it out for yourself. 
make sure you're able to read it for yourself because it's super important for you to be comfortable with the Word of God. Don't just take my word for it. I want you to be able to read it and understand it. So here we go. Romans chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Remember the big old laundry list there? He says, so therefore, that's why the therefore is there, is because this other thing happened. Uh, So therefore, you are without excuse, whoever you are. Jew or Gentile, that was who was in the Roman church. Doesn't matter how good you think you are. Doesn't matter if you've got it all together or if you think you're a terrible person. No matter whoever you are, you are without excuse when you judge someone else. For on whatever grounds you judge another, you condemn yourself. Because you who judge, um, you practice the same things. That's pretty tough to hear, isn't it? But just like we ended last week uh, with a section in uh, Corinthians, Paul was pointing this out to the church. Such were some of you. This is the way that you were. So don't point your finger. What what did your mom say to you when you were growing up? Anybody remember? If you point your finger at someone, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. And I'm always like, yeah, but my thumb is also pointing, so it's two to three, and that feels pretty good. (laughs) So we can't do that because we are just like them. So if we judge and point the finger, the reality is we're judging ourselves. We're condemning ourselves. It's kind of like uh, on the external side of things, we've got it all together. Everything looks great on the outside. And so we're able to say, look at you. Look how bad you are. Look at all the things you have done that are wrong. And we feel pretty justified because everything looks good on the outside. But then, you know, we go home or we go to that private place in our life, open the door and shut the door, public there, private here. And all of a sudden in our private world, we are just like the world out there that we just condemned and just judged. The same lusts, the same anger, the same hatreds, the same all all that's still there within us. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. So if we do that, because I have a feeling from time to time we still do that, how does God deal with that ugly side of our life? How, How does God bring us to him? Does Does he point that finger at us, or all five as the case might be, right? Does he point that at us and say, look at how bad you are. Look at how far you have fallen from me. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And Paul's continuing here after he talks about the judgment and, and how we respond to that. He says, or do you have contempt for the riches of God's generosity, his tolerance and patience? Don't you realize that God's kindness is supposed to lead you to change your heart and life? Other versions say, don't you know that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance? That's what that word repentance is, a change of heart and mind. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Oftentimes, uh, we th- well, a number of weeks ago, uh, I was watching some march. I can't remember where it was, but some march uh, I was watching on the news. And uh, uh, what I heard, so the march, you couldn't hear much of what the march was saying. But there just happened to be placed, maybe strategically, uh, some people claiming to represent Jesus. And what they were yelling at the crowd were things like, you're all going to hell. God hates you. Turn or burn, right? That was the language that was being used there. And in my head, I'm, I'm now thinking through this. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. 
So, we have to ask this question. When we look at the world around us, in the public world, and we look at our world in a private world, <laughs> do we lead with generosity, tolerance, patience, and kindness? Remember, those are the words that were used of how God leads people to himself, leads people to repentance. That's how God does it. Um, and it gets tiresome to, be, to lead with generosity and patience and tolerance and kindness. It, it, how many of you are tired of being kind, right? I mean, there's like that, that weird sort of thing that shows up in our culture today. Ah, but it's this kindness that leads us. It doesn't say it's his judgment that leads us. So what does this look like in our everyday? There's this fantastic story in the New Testament. Jesus and the disciples, they were in the northern part of Judea, and they're in the process of returning back to Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus knew that his time was nearing where the crucifixion was going to happen. He knew he had to get back uh, to Jerusalem, understanding what, what his father was asking of him. And uh, so, so they begin to make their way back uh, through a place called Samaria. Now, Samaria was a place where uh, Jews and uh, the Samaritans, uh, they did not like each other. And so there was a lot of uh, anger towards one another, a lot of hatred, uh, probably a lot of violence towards one another. And uh, it was not a very, very exciting thing to do. And yet Jesus says, hey, let's go back through Samaria. And the disciples are like, no, Jesus. So here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 9 is where we find the story. And I think this will be really instructive uh, for us. It says, as the time approached, verse 51, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As the time approached when Jesus was, be was to be taken up into heaven, he determined to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead of him. Along the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the Samaritan villagers refused to welcome him because he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And you might say, what? All he's doing, he's just looking for a place to lay his head. He's looking for a place to maybe spend the night, let the disciples all be there, have a nice dinner, and then they're going to be out of their hair less than a few hours later. You know, eight to ten hours, that's all we're looking for, and yet you are not willing to welcome us. My, uh, my son-in-law, Johnny, he has this uh, t-shirt, and I think it'd be a great one for all of us. In this instance, it says, y'all need Jesus. <laughs> that's what it says on the t-shirt. The yes, y'all need Jesus, right? This is what the disciples are going, that's all you need is Jesus, and yet you're rejecting us. What's the response of the disciples? When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and consume them? And Jesus says, yes. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Right? I mean, just uh, what a response. Fire from heaven. They wanted to kill everybody in that city. Wipe them out. Men, women, and children. Dogs, cats, camels, whatever was there. Everything dead. All because they wouldn't accept for Jesus to be there for a dinner and for a place to lay his head. That's pretty strong. Is that kindness? But Jesus turned, unless we wonder whether or not Jesus agreed with this, but Jesus turned and spoke sternly to them. In other words, rebuked them said strong words to them, spoke sternly to them, and it says they went on to another village. What is kindness? Kindness is when you are rejected to just move on, to, to not call down fire. As driving down the road, 
Somebody cuts you off. God, kill them with fire right now in Jesus' name. Right? No, it's not kindness. The coworker next to you, right? The coworker next to you that drives you crazy and won't receive the message of Christ. Remember the story. Don't call them fire, right? Um, the prodigal son or daughter running far away from God. And you want to tell them again for the thousandth time that their decisions are going to send them to hell. Maybe, just maybe, don't call down fire on them. There's something about not taking advantage of that moment when we feel so justified to call down fire and instead to move on from that moment and say no. Because realize this was kindness to this village. Should they have been burned up by fire? <laughs> They didn't receive the Messiah, the son of the living God, maybe. <laughs> and yet Jesus said, no, that's not the right response. Here's the right response. Let's move on and find the next spot where this message will be received. And so the moment when you think you called on fire, remember this story and maybe not call down fire. <laughs> um, so remember, it's the kindness of God that leads us to Repentance. Very quickly, does that mean we can never judge? Well, the Bible's very clear, and we'll get to this much later in Romans, but the Bible's very clear um, about where that judgment happens. And in fact, uh, the Bible says that judgment begins with the house of God. There are certain standards, certain ways that we live within the church. Those who have been redeemed, there are certain expectations on the way that we live our life that are not the same as those who are outside of faith. And so the judging that takes place, right, the standard of living, the, the, um, the accountability, that's within the family of God. Those who are outside of faith, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Think about what drew you to Christ. So all of this ultimately deals with the heart in the sense that what we believe, right? Later on in Romans chapter 10, uh, as Paul is writing this letter, he says, with the heart we believe and, with, uh, and uh, by the mouth we confess. So there's something about the heart and this is where Paul continually goes to um, dealing with the heart, dealing with what we believe. And from the very beginning of Romans, he had a statement. He said the, the faith or the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. There, there's action and in work associated with our faith. And so what I want to read to you um, is, a, is, is this next passage of Scripture. And, and immediately, there's, I know there's going to be a little bit of a wall that's put up here because we're talking about this thing called works. Um, you know, trying to earn our way to heaven, perhaps, is the first thing that we think about. And this is what uh, Paul says. But remember, what we believe leads to an action. It all starts with what we believe. And we get down to why we did something. There's something that underlies our action that shows we believed a certain something that led us to that action. And so um, Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, this talks about the heart that God is so concerned about. Verse 6, it says of God that he will reward each one according to his works. And as soon as I say that, I, you know, the, the walls go up, but pastor, we are saved by faith alone. Yes, we are, <laughs> right? We cannot earn our way to heaven. 
There's no works that we can do that will make God love us more. There's nothing. We can't do works and, you know, go out and, and live a particular way and that be the thing that makes us right with God. That's not it. It's faith in Jesus Christ. That's what makes us right with God. But out of the life of faith that we live, we act. And so these are the works that Paul is talking about here, not the works to lead to salvation. Paul would say, no, but the way that we live our lives reveals that we have a faith that has led us to salvation, that the kindness of God that led us to repentance, now we believe differently about who Jesus is, and now we live a different kind of life. So he says, he will reward each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who by perseverance and good works see glory and honor and immortality, but wrath and anger to those who live in selfish ambition and do not obey the truth, but follow unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress on everyone who does evil, on the Jew first and also for the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. The way we live today matters to God, matters greatly. Some may argue, pastor, I've got faith. I prayed a prayer once when I was, you know, 10 years old or 12 years old or 25 years old, and that was enough. God sees my prayer and knows my heart. Paul would say, God sees that prayer, but the heart has revealed that the belief has not led to action that is righteous and glorifying to God, that brings him honor. There's a big difference, right, between just saying something and actually living it. A big, big difference. Um, to Paul, a faith which did not uh, lead to action was a travesty of faith. Let me say that again. To Paul, a faith which did not lead to action was a travesty of faith. In fact, it was not faith at all. He would have said that the only way in which you can see people's faith at all is by their actions. And this is why Paul goes to this length and he talks about God will be a rewarder based on the works that we do. So that reward, is, that, that reward for us ultimately... <laughs> is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ, right? So that is secure. Once we have faith, there is a security there, but that faith then leads to actions in our life. So Paul is actually quoting something from the Old Testament. And he's quoting out of Psalm 62. He says, God has spoken one thing, eh, make it two things that I myself have heard. That strength belongs to God and faithful love comes from you, my Lord. And then secondly, that you will repay everyone according to their deeds. And this whole language is actually reflected all through the Old Testament. It's actually reflected in the New Testament a lot as well. Revelation has it. Uh, Thessalonians has it. This whole idea that what we do absolutely matters. So what does this reward look like for us? There are two parts that Paul brings out, and uh, we'll have them up there on the screen for you. The first one is this idea of eternal life. This eternal life is based on an eternal life uh, in Jesus Christ, and it presumes this as the foundation, a faith in Jesus. And it says that uh, we have eternal life based on a perseverance in good works, not just a life that momentarily is good, 
But there is this ongoing sense that I am doing this all for the glory and the honor and persevering for Jesus Christ. And if we do that, there is an incredible reward waiting for us. But the flip side of this, and Paul points this out, is wrath and anger. What is this based on? It's based on the self. And really back, and this is like a continuation of what Paul was saying in Romans, earlier on in Romans chapter one, the spiral that began happening within the lives of people. They exchange, uh, you know, truth for a lie. They exchange God for creation. And eventually what it does is lead to this deep selfishness and broken relationship with everybody around. This is that inevitable slide that we see happening. And Paul points it out and says, if we live by the selfish ambition, if we live in disobedience, if we live in unrighteousness, wrath and anger. Because that shows a lack of faith. The reality is it's actually pretty simple with what Paul is speaking to us here. That when we choose by faith Jesus Christ, it places our lives on a new trajectory, an entirely new place for us to end up. Rather than if we reject slide away, further away from God. But the crazy thing is, is that this, this decision is reserved for each one of us individually. It's not a family that has faith and so therefore I'm you know, in on the coattails of my grandparents who had great faith. It's not based on a spouse. It's not based on uh, your children's faith. It's based on yours and yours alone. And so Paul is really dealing with this idea of the kindness of God in the context of being led to a place of eternal life with him. Folks, this is our future. It's an eternal life with God in heaven. This is it. I can't wait for that future day. I'm looking forward to that. I'm longing for it. I mean, through perseverance and good work, seeking glory, honor, and immortality, this is what I strive for, right? And I want to bring as many people along as possible. But it is so easy to fall into the other. It's so easy for us to fall into the trap of selfishness. For us to want to call down fire from heaven. <laughs> but when we do, when we, when we call down fire from heaven, maybe it's internally, maybe it's online, whatever it is, Right? have a feeling more times than not that's coming from the selfish ambition, disobedience, and righteousness. I'm going to invite us to stand to our feet here as we uh, close out. So I think for me, the, a, a really big question that comes out of this is how is God's kindness revealed to the world around us? Is it by an angel showing up and proclaiming, God is kind, God is kind, and blowing a trumpet? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around, turn around, look at somebody and say, you're it. You're it. This is all we got. Right? This is it, folks. You are looking at the kindness of God. It's the people of God.
we represent, let me say it this way, we should represent the kindness of God on display everywhere we go. When we're at the restaurant, we should be the best tippers. It's the kindness of God. When uh, Uber Eats comes to your door because for whatever reason, A, you either needed it or you were way too lazy to get out on your own, a good tip, right? Kindness to your neighbor who hasn't ever seen kindness before. We are the kindness of God expressed. And I want us to take it super seriously because there's a lot at stake in the world around us. Not the least of which is this decision right here. Eternal life or wrath or anger. Right? This, this comes down to it. And Paul makes it very, very clear. And we're going to start getting into this as we dig into a Romans chapter 3. Uh, we're hitting all of 2 today. Aren't you glad? Instead of 5 weeks in, <laughs> in number 2, we're hitting all of 2 today. Um, but as we get into chapter 3, we start getting down to this idea of what it means to be Christian in a different way because of where Jesus fits into this whole picture. But this is the bottom line for Paul. It's all about Jesus. We sang about him today, right? It is all about Jesus. It's all about him. And some of you are here today. Maybe you're online as well. And if there were two choices up here for us, eternal life with Jesus or wrath and anger, unfortunately, there are some who would be on that wrath and anger side because the faith that you proclaim doesn't measure up to the actions that you do. Or maybe there's no faith there at all. And you'd say, today, I recognize I need a relationship with Jesus and I don't have that. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads for just a moment and close your eyes. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I am in a position where I don't know you like I should. I don't have a faith like I should in my life and uh, there is a fe- somewhat of a fear associated with the fact that I know what's right and I'm not doing it. And so this morning, if you are here, maybe even online again, And you say, Pastor, I know that I need Jesus in my life. I know that I need him in my life because through that faith, my life will be transformed and changed. If that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand to the Lord and say, I just, I know I need Jesus in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. You see every one of these hands that are raised. And Lord, I am grateful because these all represent opportunities for your spirit to move, to bring redemption to these who are calling out to you. And God, I believe that you want to work a transformation in their lives. God, I believe that you want to do something new within them and through them and to them, God. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you raise your hand and you are not alone, there's a lot of folks that raise their hand. I'm going to invite you, like these who have already come forward, I'm going to invite you to come on down to the front. Just a way to kind of put your faith into action a little bit, put steps to what you are saying right now of your faith. Go ahead and come on down. I know there are many of you, you're not alone, so go ahead and come on down if you raise your hand. It's just a moment for us to say, okay, God, we're giving you our best. We're giving you our attention. We're, we're taking this step of faith because, God, we want our, our faith to have in, uh, a reaction of action in our life. And so, yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you so much for coming on down. And here's what I want us to do. Uh, those of you who are down here and those maybe out in, the, uh, out in the audience, can we just lift our hands one more time to the Lord? We're going um, to worship the Lord, a song we've already sung, uh, just this breakthrough, this moment for us. And so let this be a breakthrough moment for us as well. Natasha, thank you, Lord.
like that, but all that it is is just to help you uh, uh, maybe pray in a way that you've never prayed before. Some of you, this is a first-time decision. Others of you, you've been down many, many times, but this is just a way to say, God, this is my heart. I'm giving it to you. And so everybody uh, in the audience as well, please go ahead and pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dealing with my sins on the cross And Jesus, thank you for giving me a new life and changing me forever. Jesus, thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome those who came down. Lord, so grateful. So grateful, Lord, for all you're doing. I'm going to have you guys kind of stay put for just a moment, those who came forward. I want to do just one final prayer, and then um, I'm going to invite our prayer teams that we got. I know we have a few of our prayer team and staff to go ahead and come on down. We'd love to pray with you about anything, but specifically and particularly uh, just kind of this decision uh, for Jesus that you made today and really want to kind of affirm uh, that decision. Just kind of stay put for just a minute. Father, I'm so grateful for today. Lord, I pray your blessing upon everybody who's here today. Lord, these who have come forward, those that are in the audience, Lord, I ask the Lord that you would guide us and direct us, help us to honor you, God, in everything that we do. And Lord, help us to be a representative of your kindness to this world. God, that your, because it's your kindness that led us to repentance. And so, Lord, let it be that we express that same kindness to the world around us. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week as well. Hang out, guys. Yeah.